Motherhood is the experience of a million different things all at once. What if we could boil down motherhood? Welcome to the Motherhood Movement with Anna, Dawn, and Taylor. We want to see a movement of mothers embodying the women we are right now. Giving space for the women we're becoming. And redefining motherhood as we go. Hello, everybody. Um, Today we are going to hear from Anna, who some of you know is one of the three of us. And she's got three kids, um, seven and under. Seven, four, and four months. And um, our babies were actually born right around the same time. Um, Anna is exceptionally good at unpacking some of the kind of harder knots around how we feel as moms and then giving practical examples for how to walk out a process um, just in some of the emotional ways we get stuck. So today we're talking about overwhelm, which I'm sure none of us can relate to. (laughs) So we're just going to talk about it, just hoping that maybe somewhere out there in the world, one mom relates with overwhelm. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about overwhelm and we're going to hear from Anna. Thanks, Dawn. Yeah, I think overwhelm um, could be one of the biggest roadblocks in motherhood. And I think of um, this concept of roadblocks in motherhood as those things that um, we have to work so hard to get through to move forward in our days and in our journey in motherhood. Uh, And we hope with this podcast, we can all move a little closer to pushing this roadblock to the side so that we are not working so hard to live out the motherhood that we want to live. So let's start by just talking a little bit about this idea of overwhelm. So these days, ladies, Taylor, Don, what does overwhelm look like to you? Yeah, I would say to me, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I have a, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. So my visual is the three-month-old is asleep in a carrier on me, And I'm trying to unload the dishwasher, which requires my body to turn at a 90 degree angle, which causes said sleeping child to potentially stir. So I'm already in like body tension mode. And then just as I'm beginning to tip over my four-year-old and my two-year-old with high level of urgency, ask me for something that I, as an adult, would not consider urgent. And so now I'm trying to do the most mundane of tasks, which is unloading the dishwasher, which I already don't love. I've never loved pre-kids, post-kids. I've never loved the dishwasher. So I'm trying to do it. And now they're dashing over with their own urgency. And I feel completely overwhelmed by this, like, it's like a sharp collision of something so mundane that somehow I cannot do. Um, and I just feel frustrated. I feel angry. And I think I sometimes, you know, kind of take it personally that my kids don't see what I'm doing. Yes. So relatable. Wow. We're holding back our giggles over here. Just imagining <laughs> this scenario that we love and know so well. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Taylor? What does it look like these days? Oh, right now, trying to take the kids out of the house 
and typically it's for something fun that they want to do. I'm not like schlepping them to the park for my own like personal enjoyment. <laughs> I'm doing it because I know it's something they want to do. Yeah. And um, just the act of getting from the house to the car is next level. I feel like the kids, I, I build them up for like an hour. This is what we're going to do, guys. This is what we're doing. We're going to put clothes on, put our shoes on, get in the car. And like every 15 minutes, they're like, where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. Or they've just completely forgotten. Yeah. They're off doing something else. My oldest is six and he's project oriented. And he always chooses right before we're about to walk out the door to start a huge, massive project. <laughs> right. And he's like, oh, I forgot we were going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and inevitably, I finally get everyone dressed in shoes walking out the door. And at least two out of three kids needs a change or to go to the bathroom instantly, suddenly. And it's so hard to keep my patience because it's physically exhausting what I'm doing, bending over, leaning over, walking from one end of the house to the other. And emotionally, it's exhausting because I feel like I'm trying to do something for them to bring joy to their life. And they sometimes act like I'm personally ruining their day. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so to keep my cool doesn't happen often. I usually feel angry, unappreciated, and invisible. Like my yeah. words are just yeah, a gong that nobody's listening to. Right, so you feel exhausted by the time you get out the door and you've not even done your activity yet, right? <laughs> yeah, and then we get to the park and they're like, run around with me! And I'm like, I, you used my energy. It's done. <laughs> I have run around with you. I've run around for you. So those are two examples of kind of those typical day-to-day -day overwhelm situations. I think, you know, when we talk about overwhelm, it can be even bigger picture than that. It can be, you know, my son who for a year straight literally wouldn't sleep. I'd be up for hours every night with him. Yeah. And just that, that feeling of, you know, oh my goodness, is this ever going to end? Yeah. How is this going to change? It, you know, it can move more to the, even the hopeless side of things. So mm -hmm. All of these are our reality as moms in motherhood. Um, so I think there's facets of overwhelm. You know, if you if you imagine that mind mapping bubble where you write overwhelm in the middle and then there's all these little legs with circles off to the side and each one says something. I think they would say something like this, you know, sensory overwhelm, the amount of loud noises that happen in motherhood. The next one would say um, needs. I have an urgent need, and they also have an urgent need, and how do we do that? Um, the next one would um, say, you know, my list of things that I need to do that aren't getting done. The next thing would say, you know, running on no sleep or little sleep, and you haven't eaten since breakfast. So your body's, you know, at kind of an overwhelmed state. Um, the next one would say, there's no organization systems in place, or if you did have them, everything changed and those don't work anymore, right? And then the last one would be inner reality and beliefs that create this feeling of overwhelm. And that's what we wanted to focus on today, um, believing that we could have a full life and there might not be organizational systems that work all the time, but we could still live in a place of not being overwhelmed as moms. Yeah, that's so good. And I think... Because I think, like, what's relatable to me and 
part of what you're saying about the organizational system thing is it can feel like there's got to be something external that's going to fix this. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we like, at least for myself, like I can feel like shame, frustration, failure, because you're like, why haven't I just figured out the system? And I think like the prompt that you're giving about, well, our own internal dialogue and what's already within us in terms of how we're perceiving what's happening is what we need to get down to and to our own like discomfort and where the overwhelm is coming from internally. So I really like that. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Taylor, do you want to talk a little bit about this system that you've yeah. seen? Yeah. I definitely, I'm always, I feel like I'm always in the secret sauce. Like yeah. I know other families have figured it out. In quotation marks, totally. so they've perfect it families out. <laughs> out there with no conflict. Yeah. They go to the park smoothly, and now we've been yes. in it, and we're being as moms are being marketed to you about the next life hack, the next right. organization right. hack, minimalism, mm-hmm. uh, chore lists, all kinds of systems, and I feel like I just try so many, and it just brings on a new shame cycle because yeah. even with this new system, it works for like a week, and then somehow I still can't keep it together and somehow I still feel like I'm failing as a mom so even with these extra helps I still can't seem to do it and that just makes me feel worse than when I started and I definitely put so much hope into I found it Mm -hmm. I figured it out tell my husband I got it I got the new system Mm -hmm. it's gonna work this time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so if we truly want to overcome that feeling or experience of overwhelm in motherhood um, without, you know, ensuring that we have quietness and organizational systems and self-care going on, um, we need to get down to the deep core beliefs in our spirits and hearts that are causing us to move to this place of overwhelm when things get to a place that, um, they bulldoze over our, you know, our... I mean, almost like our nervous system, yes, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's probably people listening who are thinking like, okay, like, Anna, I'm really intrigued by what you're saying, but I have no clue, like really what you're talking about or how I can dig down and find these things. So, like, what do you think is like step one for somebody who wants to start that process? Yeah. So I think step one would be actually allowing some memories to surface because within memories there's a story that Mm -hmm. was told and a message that was created and if we want um true freedom from overwhelm we have to get be able to hone into what message is really at work in our lives yeah and so i thought maybe today we could practice that a little bit together yeah that would be really helpful and i'm also wondering like so as people are trying to track right now, like what do you, what's an example of like a belief that somebody might have that's triggering the overwhelm? Yeah, so I'll just maybe tell a little bit of a story from my motherhood journey. So the first night I brought home my first son, um, he screamed through the night. I To this day, I've never heard a newborn scream that way. It was full body, high pitched, in pain screams and nothing would comfort him. You know, I would try to nurse, he would attempt to, he'd pull off. There was clearly something not right. 
you know, later we found out he was having um, an allergic reaction to proteins in my breast milk. So um, there was a real medical issue going on. At that time, I didn't know that. All I knew is I'm a first-time mother. This is my first night with my son. And I can't, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So my mom was with me that night. And I remember at some point my, my heart just sinking, handing him to her and walking into my room and shutting the door. You know, the adult, the adult in me knows like, hey, I just needed a break. That's okay. There's no need to go big picture in this. But in my heart at that point, I was at such a, like a tender, impressionable point yeah. in my motherhood that to me, a message was formed that I can't do this. I can't do motherhood um, unless there's someone there that I can hand my kids off to when it gets too hard or yeah. when I don't have a, yeah. a solution. And so that's an example of a message that was formed. I mean, I think the more specific we can understand, you know, what, what happened in our hearts when these messages were formed, the more freedom we can, we can walk into. Yeah. So Taylor, do you have, you know, a story or a memory that popped up as I was sharing about your motherhood and where maybe a message was formed that has, has been like a choke point for you in, in the realm of overwhelm? Yeah, actually, um, mine feels really similar to yours, Anna. I have uh, this real clear memory. I even have a picture of it that I snapped at the time. Of I, I did not grow up around children. First diaper I ever changed was my son. So I just I didn't even know babies napped, <laughs> to be honest. And so those first that first year was really probably the first six months was just really difficult in forming, <clears throat> you know, the whole. Like, the whole world around sleep, which, as most of us know now, that is the world of babyhood, is sleep. Right. And I, just the, the image I have is my husband getting our baby son down for his nap after I couldn't, I tried everything, I just felt like I, um, I felt like a small child. I didn't know what I was doing, I, and he came in and, you know, valiantly <laughs> rescued the day, rocked our baby to sleep. And I just, that, that, that day a message came in that like, I'm not a capable mother if my husband isn't around. Like I need him to be around. So now that looks like when my husband has to work long days, I really struggle with feeling like I'm capable. Like I know many of us count down on the clock. Um, if we're home with the children all day, we're counting down on the clock till our husbands get home. <laughs> But I feel like a, just, I wouldn't even call it panic because it's been so constant in my entire motherhood. It just feels like when he's home, I can do it. And I feel on top of the world. And when he isn't home, I'm going to power through until he's off again. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so amazing. Like when we were talking about this the other day, the way that some of those very first experiences, like when we just became moms, imprint us, like you said, with this idea, this framework that keeps resurfacing in momhood. Um, yeah, so what do we do? Tell us, Anna, what do we do? <laughs> well, first, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think a lot of internal messages that that affect our lives today happened in childhood 
Yeah. So as you look for yeah. memories, at times your, your memory is going to take you back to childhood. And, and sometimes that's the most anchoring time a message was formed. However, I have this growing theory that in motherhood, there, it's almost like you've been reborn. And there's like an early childhood mm -hmm. of motherhood. Does that make sense? Oh, so yes. like that pregnancy, labor and delivery and postpartum period, even the first year of motherhood. Yeah feels like the childhood um, where a lot of messages can be formed yeah. in mother's lives. So yeah. so I would just kind of mental note to our listeners, as you're practicing this kind of exercise at home, which I'm going to give you some points you could do later, um, allow your mind to go back to childhood memories, if that's where it goes, and also be aware that it may actually go to early motherhood. Yeah, it's good. So... We, once we've honed in to those messages, so Taylor, can you repeat your message again? My message was that without my husband around, I'm not a capable mother. Okay. Yeah, and so for me it was, I can't do motherhood or be what my kids need or help my kids unless someone is there to hand my kids off to if I can't do it. Yeah. And Don, are you aware of any messages in your life or do you want to share a story? Yeah, um, I would say um, a moment that really like crystallizes this for me is when my daughter was born. So she's four. She's my oldest. It was, you know, she was born early in the morning, like a little after midnight. And then that afternoon we had people come over to meet her. And I remember sitting on our couch and everyone's across from me and I had expected this moment was going to feel ebullient and connected and like, oh, like we've arrived and here's this baby and we're all in togetherness about it. And I felt utterly alone. Um, I felt unseen. I felt like eclipsed by all things baby. And here I am thinking like, it's uncomfortable just to sit on this couch. Does, you know, like there's people in this room who've also given birth. Why do I not feel like there's some recognition of what's really, what my experience probably is right now. So jump forward to me at a dishwasher, baby on a baby in the carrier, kids clamoring over. I feel alone. I feel unseen. I feel unheard. I feel like I'm being eclipsed. Yeah. So motherhood, when we are unseen alone and eclipsed is overwhelming. Right? Yeah. Totally overwhelming. Yeah. So when, uh, you are looking for a message that's been formed in your own life about motherhood. I believe that often there are messages about us rather than like messages about our kids or about the yeah. concept of motherhood, but they're yeah. messages about us and they're often have a hopeless tone to them. Right? Like, because in essence, overwhelm is a hopeless, a form of hopelessness. It's yeah. a piled on form of hopelessness. Like, yeah. I can't do this, which is a hopeless thought. So you want to look for the hopeless message about yourself if you're feeling stuck. So how do we allow these memories to surface? So one simple way, our body is a living thing and our mind is a living thing, is to place your hand on your chest or yourself um, on your head and, and just give it permission to bring the important memories back for the sake of healing, right? So... You could say something like, heart, mind, thank you for holding my memories. Um, you have permission to 
remember now what was important to remember. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, just in thinking about that, I was thinking how fight flight mm -hmm. plays into all of this. Um, so for, if people are familiar with what fight flight is, basically it's just um, a, a response that typically is rooted in some kind of trauma or extreme experience where what you feel is either you want to fight the thing that's coming at you or you want to run away from it. And I think um, that feeling of overwhelm feels so much like that fight flight thing. And like you either like, wow, <laughs> you know, at your kids or you're like, you know, you want to like flee the scene. Lock yourself um, in the bathroom with a pack of Oreos. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> um, taking the eight hour bath that we were <laughs> wistfully dreaming of today in which your kids just come to you with their needs whilst you soak. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I do think that's really insightful. I think overwhelm in motherhood can look a lot like fight or flight. Yeah. it can, And it can look like anger. Shut down is a form of flight, yeah. you know, disengaging is a form of flight. Mm -hmm. um, personalizing yeah. thing is a form of fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, often overwhelm, I think, can look a lot like fight or flight yeah. in motherhood. Yeah. You know, just to say that personalizing thing, um, some people may be wondering, like, what that what's meant by the word. Mm -hmm. Um you know, you may be thinking of like your local engraving store that writes your name on something. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Um, I personalize a lot in ridiculous ways in my head that I also am then laughing at, but they still feel kind of true. So I don't know what to do with them. So like in this dishwasher moment, like I have these thoughts of like, my kids are intentionally trying to prevent me from doing the one thing that I most want to get done today. And it's completely ridiculous. Obviously my four-year-old, my two-year-old are not like you know, drawing out a battle plan to prevent me from doing menial tasks, but I do personalize it. And then I laugh at myself because I'm like, clearly they're not doing that, but then I'm still mad, you know, like, how dare you stop me on this one thing? So anyway, that's what we mean by personalizing. I, I personally really relate with that. Um, yeah. Or even a little more extreme if your three-year-old hits you. Right. Yes. In our, yes. My, in our you know, kid minds, we're like, that's so personal. Yeah. He's just hit his mom. He doesn't respect me. Yeah. But, you know, if we're able to step back and go, he's three, that yeah. wasn't personal. Yeah. That was a fight or flight response. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good example. Yeah. But I was just talking to my husband last night about um, taking things personal, and it feels like I turn into a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they totally. do something to me, and I take yeah. it personally. I just, like, turn into a child, and and respond, mm -hmm. often respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. When I step back and think back, I'm like, wow, really? That's, <laughs> that's how I responded in that moment. Well, you know, and I think that is because we are responding like a child, right? Yeah. So when there's yeah. areas of wounding that originated in childhood, it's sort of, it's like this leash that's on our ankle. And I just imagine it pulling me back yeah. to that yeah. childhood yeah. state of mind and emotion. So yeah. I will say when you're looking for memories, finding the childhood memory might be the most powerful yeah. memory to find that yeah. you can reframe um, and work through. So let's talk about where we go after we find our memory, an anchoring memory, and after we're able to define the message, right. I recommend um, actually jotting it down 
so you can remember it because we're gonna our point is to go back and reframe that right that's where we're heading right towards the freedom of reframing your memory right so for example like the message might be I'm alone in motherhood and writing that down exactly okay yes so um, before we can move towards reframing I know we love to fix it the place we actually need to go is um, I believe we, we need to go to grief yeah so I, I think of in these anchoring memories in childhood or in early motherhood there was a fork in the road mm-hmm. and we there were two ways we could have gone um, we could have gone towards and often I think we did we went towards um, pointing it at ourselves and creating a, a message in our mind about ourselves that now takes us to overwhelm yeah right but we could have gone this is a painful situation yeah and there are losses here and mm-hmm. I am sad and I need to grieve yes that's so good so I think that's where we want to head next is um, you know rewriting our story is our right it's part of us taking back our power and and um, inhabiting who we are yeah. so um, we want to go back and go okay I chose this because I didn't know any better but now I want to choose this so mm-hmm. I want to invite you guys to actually go to that memory and um, take some time to consider the losses in that memory and sit with that sadness and grief for me, in the memory I shared about bringing my son home that first night, there was a huge loss of confidence. I went into motherhood truly convinced I was going to do great. I had a lot of confidence in it. I had worked with kids a lot. But that first night with my son, I lost my confidence and I lost the preciousness of being able to comfort my son. Right? Yeah. Um, and that was really so sad for yeah. me. Um, so if I were doing this exercise at home, I would then name that and then sit with those feelings and just, um, be, you know, let yourself feel sad. Yeah. So, um, Taylor, Don, you could talk a little bit more about the memory that already popped up, or you could talk about one from childhood, mm-hmm. but what would be some of the losses or things you need to grieve? If you wanted to kind of stand at that fork again and choose another way, what would that, right. what would that be? Yeah, man, this is really loaded for me. Um, So for me, when I think about that moment at the dishwasher, when I think about that moment, first day of being a mom, and I feel alone, and I feel unseen, and I feel eclipsed, it's pretty easy for me to connect that to an overarching theme of childhood, of um, there were some certain dynamics of... um, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, feeling eclipsed. And I, I do know that it is a major, major trigger for me. And I also know that it's an area that I've had to continuously circle back to and grieve the loss of, cause you want to like, you know, so for me, I needed to go through a process of, yes, I'm sad. Yes. I'm grieving. Yes. There was a loss that as a kid, I wasn't met, seen, recognized in these ways. Now I need to do the same thing for me day one as a mom. Now I need to do the same thing for me day, whatever we're on at the dishwasher. Um, it's okay to say, you know, I think we get into like almost like comparative suffering where we think, Oh, well, I'm just at the dishwasher. Like somebody else is doing something infinitely more difficult. 
And so we can't grieve our loss because we feel like our loss is not significant enough. Um, and so recognizing, no, Don, like this is a real loss. Like you didn't have certain things in certain pivotal moments of life and you need to be in sadness about it. You need to be in recognizing the pain about it. Um, you need to be alone. You need to do whatever all the things are. And then eventually that, you know, that gets transmuted. That gets, you know, when you let that energy go, which I think a lot of it is like the energetic release, um, you've validated yourself and in doing so, you now feel like you've seen yourself, whereas you didn't feel seen by others, but now you've seen yourself and you can move forward. Yeah, I think that there's some messaging around motherhood that um, there isn't actual pain in motherhood. Yeah. I think there's a lot of messaging around that it's annoying or mm-hmm. hard or you want need to escape. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's a disservice done that we're not actually uh, stacking hands on the fact that there can actually be actually be pain and trauma in motherhood and that needs to be cared for it needs to be yeah. grieved and comforted so that we can keep moving forward and again that image of a roadblock we don't have to be pushing this through this roadblock right you know it's so heavy and hard um so you know i think as as adults and little kids we can be told it's okay to grieve losses but then we're kind of left if we don't go from there. And I think the next natural step that needs to happen is we need to be able to find pathways into comfort mm-hmm. after grief. So for me, when I'm sitting with some sadness and grieving it, moving into comfort can look a lot of different ways. It can look like bringing, going to someone and sharing my heart and having their, um, their presence and their affirmation and their togetherness there. Um, I think one of the more powerful ways of receiving comfort, however, is actually just within yourself because you know you'll always be with yourself, right? So what does that look like practically? I know, you know, that can feel like this really uh, intangible Mm -hmm. thing to, to achieve. So I'll just share a few practical ways I do that. So here's three. One is I... Um, imagine myself holding my heart and I talk to it as if it's a child that needs to be talked to. Um, Two would be that I actually imagine myself as a little child or imagine my child. Mm -hmm. And that sort of draws up that ability to talk compassionately and tenderly like you would to a child Mm -hmm. and talk to yourself that way. Sorry, I think just to interject, I think a lot of us grew up in environments where we received a message, verbal or nonverbal, that it wasn't okay to have needs. So I think as you're saying this, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be thinking like, but I should be able to just shake this off, but I should be able to just move forward. This isn't a real need. So I'm just wondering like how you would speak to that. I mean, I think we're all sitting around this table, the three of us and our listeners, because um, we're so aware that we're getting overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. And that we're, you know, overwhelmed is a form of hopelessness, yeah. and hopelessness is sort of unmet needs, right? Right. 
So, so as much as um, we can try to just silence that, mm-hmm. that, that accusation, because the truth is we, we do have needs and that's why we're here and that's okay. Cause we're moving to a, a, a place, a better place of understanding how to tend to our needs as we go. Yeah. And comfort is one of our biggest needs. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, so Another way I actually find comfort is um, it's kind of been breakthrough I've had since I've had my newest daughter at four months old. So she's my first that is able to self-soothe, and I've spent a lot of time watching her fall asleep. Mm. Um, she's also my first that takes a pacifier. So I don't know if, if you guys can relate to this, but if you've ever sat with a sleeping baby or watched those eyes droop and that body relax, um, it feels like there's a feeling to it, right? Like yeah. you kind of suddenly feel like relaxed and like you want to fall asleep. Right. And so I actually sort of imagine her find, you know, she was fussy and tired and then I put her pacifier in and in her little swaddle in that sound machine. And I just like kind of imagine her, a picture of her falling asleep. And I sit with that feeling. Yeah. That's good. Um, so that's just some ideas of how to find comfort. That's, some ways I do. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about um, the old messaging and grieving the losses, but now we we need a new message. We need a new yes. truth, a new belief system um, to carry us uh, and to carry ourselves with. And for me, my old message was that I'm not capable without my husband or um, the message of my life has been, I'm not capable without another person on my team. The, the team of just Taylor is not a capable team. And, you know, I've even brought my children on to that team and tried to, you know, it, it does create like some unhealthy codependency. And then for me, resentment towards this right. six-year-old who cannot possibly be an equal teammate. Of course, ch- our children are on our team, but right. they're not equal teammates. And, um, so for me, choosing a new message would be that I am capable and that I have a power that is internal. Like I am a person that has power. That doesn't mean that I will succeed all the time. And it, I mean, motherhood just means you're falling down all the time. So when I go back to that first memory of my husband coming in, saving the day, getting my son down, um, I would go back and tell myself, this is really hard. You're doing something you've never done before, and you're learning new things, and this is just really, really hard. Like, there were other circumstances in our life at that time that were really difficult, and um, I would just validate that, like, the circumstances are hard, but it doesn't take away from who I was as this new mother. That's beautiful. So a new message you could take on going would be, I'm allowed to learn as I go. That's good. You're allowed to believe that you can learn as you go. And ultimately, you're going to have enough for every moment that's ahead of you as a mom. That's good. How about you, Dawn? Did you have, would you like to go back and reframe from that first day sitting with serenity? Yeah. um, 
Yeah, so again, like day one, Serenity was born, um, people are over, I feel alone. And I think, you know, connecting to what I mentioned about a lot of us grew up in environments where we weren't allowed to have needs or express those needs. For me, a key thing has been the first step of just knowing I can say what I need. And shocker, there may actually be people around me who would willingly help me meet that need. It's crazy. But I mean, but really, that's that's been like an ongoing expansion of my own acceptance of that being true. Um, so moving from, okay, I felt alone to kind of like things, things are not what they seem. I'm not entirely alone and I can actually express a need in this moment or in this season. And there are people who want to join me in that, um, they're thereby proving that I'm not alone. Yep. Yep. That's great. So it sounds like you've been working on this new belief for a while and I'm hearing you say like, I believe that there's actually going to be people around me that want to meet mm-hmm. my needs mm-hmm. as I or am aware of them and express them. Yeah. And isn't that comforting, you know? Yeah. That's and empowering. Like, exactly. Because then you're not like, you know, like as a mom, I think a lot of times you feel like I'm on a boat trying to do every role on the boat. Like this is insanity. You know what I mean? Like I'm like the captain and I'm over here in the lookout and I'm pulling up the sail and it just parts of it genuinely feel overwhelming because we're just trying to do too many things and we need to figure out. Is there a song by MC Hammer that's like, stop, collaborate and listen. Somebody, (laughs) somebody says that in a song and we need to do it as moms. So I love this. So I think when we think back to those forks in the road, either in childhood or early motherhood, the childhood of our motherhood, yeah. right? Um, we let go of our strength yeah, um, by choosing the direction of self-blame and, um, and holding on to messages that weren't true. And I think we have the power now to go back and go, hey, that's not serving me anymore. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to grieve, I'm going to move into comfort, and then I'm going to choose my new message. Yeah, so good. So I think, can we all close our eyes, unless you're driving right now, can we all close our eyes and imagine what motherhood could be like without overwhelm being a key component? Mm -hmm. It's a really fun thought, right? Like we could play with our kids lightheartedly and, you know, the house could be going up in flames, not literally, but, you know, just messy. And, and we could, you know, believe that it's going to be cleaned up and we could, we would have so much energy for so many other things, creativity, our own, um, our own pathway to living out our destiny, more time with friends. Like, I think there would be so much energy saved and a lot more happiness along the way. Yeah. Um, so that's just our, this, little exercise is our little offering to you that maybe would help inch you closer to a reality of living outside of overwhelm. So the exercise being um, allowing yourself to let an anchoring memory surface, honing into the detailed message that was created in that memory, allowing yourself to 
realize that there were losses that you need to grieve instead of what you chose to do, which was create a kind of a self-blame message or a hopeless message. So grieve and then move into comfort and then choose your new message. And I'm curious to see, you know, what our days going forward would be like as we, as we move into this one time and actually into a lifestyle of this, of, um, a lifestyle of going back and meeting, um, reframing what needed to be reframed and meeting your needs where there were unmet needs. Um, so we wanted to invite you to be a part of a movement of mothers who are moving out of overwhelm and into thriving.